everybody. Thank you again for joining us in our Bible study. Today we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. You see, we started out in Genesis, and our goal is to walk through the entire Bible. Can you believe we are now in the book of Philippians? God is good. So let me give you a little background about the book of Philippians, and then we'll dive into it. First of all, I want you to know it's a very small book. It's uh, only four chapters in that book. It's really like somebody sending you an email. Uh, Apostle Paul was just communicating to the church and bless God. Oh, it's like receiving a, a group text message. <laughs> So we're just going to discuss basically what's in that text message, what's in that email, and how it can bless you, me, all of us together. Well, by way of introduction, permit me to mention that the book of Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. So you can see the correlation. Philippians, Philippi. So this was a church that was founded by Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. If you recall, I told you before that Paul became a Christian, and unlike many Christians, he didn't sit down on his butt doing nothing. He hit the road witnessing about Jesus Christ. Do you remember the first time that you became a Christian? how excited you are, you are fired up. I mean, you want to tell everybody about Jesus. You want to sing about Jesus. You pray every day. Same thing with Paul. Paul, when he became a Christian, he was on fire for the Lord. I mean, he hit the road, and he was witnessing, and three times he went on a journey Many he left home and went to other cities and proclaiming Jesus Christ. By the way, I can stop there and, pre and preach to you and me. When was the last time that you leave home to tell somebody about Jesus Christ? Some of you don't even tell nobody you're a Christian on your job. <laughs> Some of you, you have children in your own house that you've never even introduced them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we hear about young people misbehaving, young people embracing violence, smoking weeds, doing drugs. Well, we have to kind of step back and ask ourselves the question, has the parents introduce these kids to the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing that we all can agree about is that when a person is in Christ, that person is a new creature. All things are passed away, all things become new. People who know the Lord, they don't act a fool. So let me encourage you up front. Let's learn from Apostle Paul that gospel that you have received, 
that Christianity that you embraced, you need to share it. Jesus said, go by the highways and the byways, compel men and women to come, so that God's house may be full. Isn't it a shame that we have churches in every corner of the city, but most of them are virtually empty? Did you hear what I said? They are empty. You know why they are empty? Because there are no people with a spirit like Paul going out there telling somebody about the love of Jesus Christ, inviting people to come to the Lord, inviting people to go to church, inviting people to surrender their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This was what Paul was doing. And if I were you, I would stand in my home. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost have come upon you. You'll become witnesses. Then it started to list where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the utmost part of the earth. Guess where your Jerusalem is? Your house. So now you have received power. The Holy Ghost is upon you. Now you ought to become a witness. And where do you start? In Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? Your home. So start with your spouse. Start with your children. Make sure that everyone in your neck of the wood, know God for themselves. And then don't stop in your house. Go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the utmost part of the earth. See, when I go out in the community, where I happen to be on TV every day, you know, and when people see me, they want to say hello. Hey, you the man on TV. Some of them, we, they don't even know my name. They want to say good morning, good morning, and good morning. Okay? So I greet them. I smile. I hug. I shake their hand. But guess what else? I wanted to invite them to church. I wanted to ask them if they're Christian. I wanted to ask them if they belong to any church. I wanted to ask them if they're living the life of Christ. So every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving in your life, in my life. Every day ought to be a day of witnessing, telling somebody about the goodness of the Lord. This is one thing that Apostle Paul was very, very effective about. So when we talk about the book of Philippians, keep in mind that this was Paul doing what all of us should be doing, left his home in Jerusalem, went all the way to Philippi. Uh, Philippi, by the way, is a city with a military base. You know, here in Alexandria, we used to have a lot of uh, people in the military that lives here before they close the base here. 
So that's the kind of city Philippi is, like Fort Polk, all kinds of military people. So you, when he went there to preach, it was rough. I mean, because people have not heard about Jesus before, and here comes this stranger talking about this uh, God somewhere, and his name is Jesus, and, and man, they just, some people laughed at him, some people scorned him, some people abused him, but by the grace of God, he was able to establish a church in that town. And that's what we are talking about today because the book of Philippians is a letter to the church at Philippi. Well, let me tell you why he had to write the letter. So after he established the church there, Paul basically left town, put the church in the hand of some new preachers, and went back home doing his business. But one day, that church in Philippi, they heard the report that Paul had went to Rome, another city, to preach. And while he was in Rome, he got arrested and he's in jail. It's like you, let's say, suppose I tell the people of Zion Hill we are pastoring. Let's suppose I, I, I travel to Africa just to go visit. And then the church, Zion Hill, heard the news that Pastor George had been arrested in Africa. And that they have locked his behind up in jail. That's exactly what happens to Paul. So the church at Philippi, because they love their pastor, so they decided to send somebody. His name is Aphroditus. I probably did a lot of harm pronouncing that name. <laughs> so they sent this dude to go to Rome and visit their pastor on behalf of the church. So that was the background to the book of Philippi. So this guy, Aphroditus, left Philippi, traveled hundreds of miles to Rome where Paul was locked up. Some historians says he traveled 300 miles. Some other historian says he traveled 700 miles. Well, depending on which one you believe, the message is clear. He went a long way. Back then, they don't have good roads. Back then, they don't have no Cadillac, no Chevrolet, no, no automobile. So it was a tough journey, riding on a horse 300 or 700 miles to go visit somebody in jail. Then in the process, the Bible didn't record this, that Aphroditus, the guy that was sent, he got sick. He almost died. But he never gave up. He never quit. That's another message in itself. I'm amazed how many people start something and they quit along the way. 
But do you know the real life story of any winner? Winners don't quit. And quitters don't win. This guy knew the whole church is sending him to go visit a pastor in jail far away. And he got sick on the journey. He refused to give up. He kept going until he got to Pastor Paul. Until he visited that preacher in jail. Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul was recording, say, man, this guy almost lost his life for my sake. He said, that means a lot. And that's how we found out, you and me found out, that the man got sick, the man almost died. So anyway, he made it to Pastor Paul. And he did three things while he was there. I'm still giving you some background now. In case you're making note, I've made two points that you shouldn't miss. Number one, take your responsibility to spread the gospel very seriously, just like Paul. Don't go through life and you've never witnessed to nobody. You didn't tell nobody about God. Don't go to heaven by yourself. Take a lot of people with you. The second point I'm making is from the life of the brother that was sent by the church to go visit Paul, Aphroditus. Notice he got sick on the road, but he never gave up. My message to you is this. Whatever you're working on, don't quit. Don't give up. It doesn't have to be in sickness. Maybe you're in school. Don't give up on your education. Maybe you're in a marriage. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't give up on your relationship. Maybe you have some troubled children that won't act right. Don't give up on your child. Maybe you're just going through some rough time right now. Never, never give up. Maybe you're in the hospital listening and watching me today. Never give up. Don't let that cancer take you out. Don't let that heart disease take you out. Don't let nothing, not even not lupus, not arthritis, name it, whatever sickness is that got you into the hospital. Make up your mind, even before they, they admit you, that, hey, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, like Schwarzenegger, he said, I'll be back. Say, you're not going to kill me. Never give up. Maybe you're a visionary. you like me. You, you have some ideas. I'll be honest with you. I've got so many ideas, big ideas. If I tell you some of the stuff cooking my head, man, you say, man, this brother is something. So sometimes you'll be wondering, will this come to pass? Because some of these ideas cost Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Never give up on your dream. Never give up. The vision that God gave you, 
hold on to it. That brother did not give up. He won't let sicknesses stop him until he got to Pastor Paul. So when he got to him, he delivered three messages. Number one, the church in Philippi sent him with a bag of money. And he presented that money to the pastor. I can stop there and have church. <laughs> Let me have all of you pastors out. Remind your people to bless you. Don't think, don't be too full of pride. Let them help you. You see my church? I just had 25 years anniversary. They give me a big check. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's exactly what happened to a Pastor Paul. The church in Philippi brought a whole truckload of money. They want to help the preacher out. They say, you're in jail. No, we're not going to. We got your back. Maybe you're watching today and you're not even a member of Zion Hill. You know there's a message for you. Help your pastor. Bless that man of God. Bless that woman of God. It's a good thing to be a blessing. Can I tell you something about givers? Their hands are never empty. God always gives seed to sowers. This church they think highly of their pastor. They send him money. The second thing Brother Aphroditus brought to Pastor Paul is an update about the church. You know, he founded the church. He moved on. Now he's in jail. So they want to update him, how the church is doing. All the pros, all the cons, the good news, the bad news, the ugly. They want to... Give him an update. I thought that was very nice of them. And the third thing that Brother Aphroditus brought to Paul is to say to, to Paul, say, Pastor, we just want you to know how much we love you. See, three messages he brought from Philippi to Apostle Paul. Number one, he brought money. Number two, he brought updates by their church. Number three, he showed how much the church loved. You see, I just give you an idea of how you should celebrate your pastor's annual. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be nice that you're able to tell your pastor how much the church loves him? It helps any preacher, any man of God, to know that the people you're ministering to day after day, week after week, they love you. The second thing is, uh, notice how they brought him updates. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? You see, I used to live in the state of Arkansas and in the city of Fayetteville, Arkansas, there's one, actually, 
there's not too many black churches there. But there's a church there where I was the music director. I was not the pastor, you know. I was the music director. I teach. I play. I direct the choir and all that. And every time any of their members is going through Louisiana or visiting Louisiana, they want to call me. They want to give me updates how the choir is doing. They will say, Pastor, the work that you started is going on very well. We are blossoming. These are the songs we are working on. So it's very refreshing when you can give an update. And the third thing, notice they brought him money. Wouldn't it be sad that you do pastor's appreciation and you pray for him? You say, Pastor, we love you, but you ain't give him nothing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Well, take, let, let, let's move away from pastor a little bit. Can you imagine, sister girl, for a brother to say, I love you? But he never bring nothing. <laughs> no money, no flowers, no gift. And every time he kept saying, I love you, baby. At some point, you probably would tell him, shut up. <laughs> See, don't just say you love me. Show me. It's amazing how fun, how practical the word of God is. So the church at Philippi, they are showing Apostle Paul that they truly, truly cares. So that's the background to the book of Philippi. Now we're going to quickly walk through each of those chapters. There are four chapters. Chapter 1, basically, that was Paul after he has been presented money after he's been giving update, after he's been giving so much love from the church of Philippi, guess what he did? So he decided to write a letter. And he's going to give that letter to brother Aphroditus to take that letter back to the church at Philippi. And that letter that Paul wrote to send back to the church at Philippi is now what turns to be a book in the Bible. That's the letter we are now calling, you and me call it, the book of Philippi, of Philippians. But the truth be told, when Paul was writing it, he did not know he was writing a Bible. <laughs> he was just writing a letter back to the people that have shown much love to him. Look at how God operates. He used an ordinary man to write a powerful book in the Bible, and that book is now changing life. What's in chapter 1? Paul wrote in his letter, he said, okay, thank you for all the gift, thank you for all the updates. He said, then he wrote, he said, let me tell you something. I'm glad that you all are doing very well as a church out there. He said, remember, God, who have started the good work in you, he is able to finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's chapter 1, 
verse number 6. Philippians 1 and 6. And that scripture is important to you. While Paul was telling the church at Philippi, I'm glad what you're telling me. I'm glad all the progress. Just remember, the same God who started those good things in you is able to continue it, is able to finish it. I come to tell you the same message. Whatever God has started in your life, God is able to finish it. Whatever God is doing in your life, right now as you're listening to me, God is big enough. No devil can stop the work of God in your life. Oh, I wish I could testify something. Many things have started in my life and the devil tried to slow me down or the devil tried to shut it down. And I have to encourage myself with the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 that God who has started the good work in me, God is able to finish it. I started building this very church. I'm, I'm preaching to you now, and we're running into financial problems. And many people say to me, let's just shut it down. In fact, many people say, let's just cover it with a shell, or let's just finish the first floor, and we'll come back in two, three years to finish the rest of it. But this verse, this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he Pick my spirit up. I begin to encourage myself. Paul is saying to them, the good thing that God has started in your life, in my life, God is going to finish it. You know what that means, my brother, my sisters? When you get discouraged along the way, maybe in your marriage, and things begin to happen that don't look good, and you get discouraged, encourage yourself with this verse, that God, who started the marriage, is able to finish it. Maybe it's a job situation. You came on the job with a lot of aspiration. Oh, I'm going to do a good job here. I'm going to I'm going to establish a name. I'm going to make progress, get promotion, get retirement here. And somewhere along the way, the devil begins to raise his ugly head. Encourage yourself. Say to self, look, I didn't politics to get here. Now, I didn't kiss up to nobody to get this job. Lord, you bless me with this job. You, who started the good work in me, you're able to finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a business owner. You had this great idea and you put it into practice. You invested your time. You invested your money, your resources. And now COVID-19 strike. And don't look like you're making much money. It don't look like there's a future for your business. Encourage yourself with this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He is telling them everything that God has started in you, God is able to finish it. You know why he had to tell them that? There were two women in the church. They were fighting each other. They were arguing and fussing. And Paul is saying to them, 
Don't freak about it. Don't freak out, church. God started your church. And God is able to protect the church. God is able to finish what he started. And then Paul goes on in that letter to explain. First he admitted that yes, it is true. What you heard that I'm in jail is true. Mm-hmm. He said, it's not a tale. You know, sometimes people carry rumors about pastors and ministers and even Christians. Sometimes they come up with things and they say things that is not true. They will even accuse you of things that you have not done. Sometimes people in the world will make up stories. Sometimes, I mean, it hurt my feeling when I hear some things, you know. But what do you do when what they've been saying about you is true? Paul is admitting to the people, yes, you heard I'm in jail. That's true. <laughs> oh, goodness. What, what you going to do when the rumors about you is true? One time there was a rumor about me, true story, that people that come to my church, uh, collect their W-2 form and collect their money and take all their money to Africa. I mean, so another stupid rumor comes out. They said I put an ATM machine all over the building and it hurts. I will admit it hurts. <laughs> Especially when you have not done something. But what do you do when the rumor about you is true? So here we find Paul. Paul said, look, the rumor that you have heard, that I am in jail, yes, is true. But then he explains, so let me explain to you why I am locked up. I'm not locked up in jail because I'm a drug pusher. I'm not locked up in jail because I've committed armed robbery. I'm not locked up in jail because I killed somebody. He said, I'm locked up in jail because I was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, so let the record show. So, and he said, look, I'm not freaking out about it. I'm still happy. He said, look, I'm in good spirit. He said, for me to live is Christ. And for me to die, I don't know what they're going to do to me here in jail. Maybe they're going to kill me. I have no clue what will happen to me. But if I die, it's still gain. So he said, no matter where I find myself, Paul is saying, I've learned to be content. Whether I am rich or poor, I'm content. Whether I'm sick or well, I'm content. You see, I can stop there and have church. That's a lesson to you and to me also. It's called the principle of contentment. That's what's in that letter. See, many people are miserable today because they're not content. Can you be happy 
when things are going well, and also be happy when things are not going too well. There is power in contentment. I used to notice this my wife now, she's blessed now. She don't have no complaint. But you know, I wasn't always as, as prosperous as I am now. And so when we run out of food or run out of things, she'll roll her eyes. <laughs> so now when we have plenty of money coming in, she will lighten up and with big smiles and but oh, when times get tough, our spirit is down. Paul is saying, <laughs> I'm not just talking about my wife. Human beings are like that, you know. Paul is saying, learn to be content. Whether you're rich, be happy. Whether you're poor, be happy. Whether you're well, be happy. If things are not going to well, still be hallelujah anyhow. I'm not sure who I'm preaching to today, but I'm telling you, there is power in your contentment. That's why I love this book. This book is so, is so full of nuggets. I am learning to be content. One thing that my family have noticed about me is that, you see, I'm a jungle man. I was raised in the jungle. So whether I have plenty of money, Hallelujah. When I don't have nothing, hallelujah. <laughs> it's, it's just another day in the neighborhood. <laughs> I remember. This is a true story. I know some of you are watching internationally, so some of this may, may be Greek and Hebrew to you, but you can still relate. See, one day here in Alexandria, Louisiana, USA, uh, there was bad weather. It was snowing, it was storming, and the lights are up. Oh, my children, they had a fit. Everybody was upset. They cannot play their Nintendo game. They cannot watch TV. <laughs> the Xbox didn't work. And everybody have an attitude. And they notice that I'm just as happy. He said, come on, Dad, how can you be happy in this kind of situation? You know why I'm happy? Contentment. Whether there's electricity or whether the electricity is up, it's just another day in the neighborhood. <laughs> By the way, it wasn't difficult for me to be content because where I came from, I grew up with no electricity. <laughs> So what am I missing? Nothing. So I'm telling you, my friend, learn to be content. Here is a brother in jail, locked up, shackles in his hand, shackles in his feet, and he's saying, it's all right. I'm not losing my mind over this. To live is Christ. To die is still gain. Whether they kill me or whether they let me live, I'm all right. Whether I'm rich or poor, I'm content. 
there is power in your content. Then he says something else. He said, you know, I heard that some people are preaching out there. They're not really Christian. They're not really called by God, but they're preaching. He said, well, don't worry about them. I'm just glad. Whether they're called, whether they're faking it, whether they're real, you see, I don't know. But I'm just glad that the gospel is being preached. See, that's another powerful message. I'm amazed how many times people will say, oh, that church is no good. Oh, that preacher is no good. Oh, that one is wrong. Oh, that denomination. Chill. Apostle Paul said, look, don't waste your time judging people. He said, I am just glad that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. Whoa. That's the first chapter in a nutshell. You see how rich, how powerful that chapter one is. Then he goes to chapter two. Then he's saying to the people, he said, look, I want all of you, you see, this is the pastoral part of that chapter because he is a pastor writing to the church. So as a pastor, he's sharing with them. He said, I want all of you to learn to be like Christ. He said, not only am I content where I am, but I'm sending you message you be, do your best to be like Christ. He said, look at Jesus Christ. He was humble. He came to this planet Earth. He was God, but he humbled himself. He, he allowed his people to mistreat him. They spit on him. They accuse him. He never see a mumbling word. He even allowed them to crucify him. He said, that's what makes you a Christian. He also encouraged them. He said, have the mind of Christ. You see, don't just be, be tripping and, and be snapping and be fighting all the time. Say, calm down. Have the mind of Christ. He said, the, the, he said and when you do this thing, Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 9, summarize what's in it for them. He said, look at Jesus Christ. Because he humbled himself. Because he did not try, he did not behave like Lucifer trying to be equal with God. He did not behave like Adam in the garden trying to eat the fruit so that he can be wise like God. He said, because Jesus did exact opposite. He walked in humility. He said, God has highly exalted me. This is verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2. He said, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, Every name was bowed. Of things in the heaven, of things on earth, of things under the earth. In other words, your humility, your behaving like Christ, your having the mind of Christ 
is going to bring you much reward. Don't think you're just being slow. Don't think that you're a pushover. Don't think that you're a walkover. Well, one of the things I enjoy about being a Christian is, be, is being able to turn the other cheek. Is being able to be humble. Oh, I'm trained now. You see, I don't know your field, but I'm trained as a lawyer. I'm trained when people shoot at me, I know exactly how to shoot back and never miss my target. But besides being a lawyer, I have the mind of Christ. So sometimes when people shoot at me, instead of me to shoot back at them and not miss, I just smile and love them. Why? Because the book of Philippians is teaching me and you to have the mind of Christ, to walk in humility, to have a servant's heart, don't do eye for an eye. Love people in spite of them. And if you do that, you will get reward like Jesus Christ. God highly exalted him, giving him a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every name must bow. Look at how powerful his name is. Of things in heaven, of things on earth, of things under the earth. You see, in the legal profession, let me, let me illustrate it this way. If you file a lawsuit, you have to make sure that the court you're filing the lawsuit have jurisdiction over the subject that you're suing about. So if you ask the jurisdiction of the power of Jesus' name, the Bible is saying that name is powerful in heaven. That name is powerful on earth. That name is powerful under the earth. So in hell, they're scared about the name of Jesus. On earth, they're scared about the name of Jesus Christ. Even in heaven, when the name of Jesus Christ comes up, everybody bow. That's a powerful, powerful name. And let me suggest to you that when you're in trouble, use the name of Jesus Christ. When the enemy tried to attack you, enfold the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ. You say, oh, why should I do that? Remember I told you the name of Jesus Christ has power on earth. And guess where you are right now? On earth. So, when I'm having a little problem, maybe my, I have running nose, or maybe my eyes won't see right, or maybe any of my kids get sick, I invoke the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ. How do I do it? I would say, in the name of Jesus, baby girl, be healed. I will speak to my eyes. Eyes, you are made to see. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to see now. Every now and then, I get up in the morning, and you know, my body just don't want to move. <laughs> uh, it's funny. 
Guess what I would do? I would invoke the power and authority. I would say, devil, you know I'm scheduled for this meeting today. I'm scheduled to do this. I'm scheduled to do that. And this, this body is now aching. In the name of Jesus Christ, body, let's go. <laughs> so what am I telling you? There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Invoke the power and authority of that name. Amen. Now we, we, we come to chapter 3. And Paul is still writing his letter. Now he told the people, he said, don't allow flesh to control you. See, you remember I told you there were two women that were fussing and arguing in that church. So he's now addressing the problem. He said, look, don't allow, give no place to the flesh. When you find people fussing and fighting in the church or at home, on the job, in the city council, in the Congress. See, somebody's allowing flesh. <laughs> Paul is saying, look, the reason why these women are fussing in the church is because too much flesh. So he's advising the church. So don't allow, allow spirit of unity. Don't let flesh dominate. Then he said to them, he said, look at me as your example. I am born a Jew. I grew up as a Pharisee. All we do is flesh. He said, but today, I count all my accomplishments as poo-poo. He said, it don't worth anything. He said, the only thing I care about today is Jesus Christ. He said, all of my education, all of my titles, all of my position, he said, it don't matter anymore. So he's encouraging the people, don't allow your flesh have the best of you. He also cited the example of Timothy and Aphroditus. Timothy was a mentee of Paul. He was an associate pastor. He said, look at that young man. He's a young brother, but he, he spent more time thinking about others than thinking about himself. He said, that's the kind of example you want to follow. He also cited the, the example of Aphroditus. Aphroditus was not a minister or preacher. He was the guy that the church of Philippi sent to go and visit Paul in jail. He said, look at this brother. He traveled hundreds of miles to come see me. He got sick in the process. And he kept pursuing the goal of coming to see me. Then in his sickness, when he got to me in jail, he still tried to help me, even though he was sick. He said, those are the examples I want you all to emulate. You see, I can stop there and preach to you and me. 
Who are the mentors in your life? Who are the people that you look up to? You know how children will say, when I grow up, I'll be like this, I'll be like this person. Who do you look up to? Or can you live your own life that some young people will look up to you as their mentor? Give no place to the flesh. Focus your heart, your mind towards God. Live a life that will be so pleasing to God that young people will want to be like you when they grow up. Be an example to your generation. Maybe you're a man, we need more good men in our community. Maybe you're a woman, a lot of young girls are looking for somebody they can look up to as a guide, as a mentor. Paul is challenging the church at Philippi. And I believe God is using that book to challenge you and me today to do our best to be a good example. Then we go to chapter number four, the last chapter. Here Paul is saying, basically, I'm so grateful for the money that you have sent to me. He said, look, you know, I am so happy that you are thinking about me. He said, can I keep it real with you all? He said, you know as well as I know, I have founded many churches. I founded a church in Ephesus. I founded a church in Corinth. I've, he said, but you church in Philippi, you stand out. He said, the reason why you stand out is because you're not just praying, but you actually send me resources. You send me money. He said, I am grateful. He said, not that I need anything. He said, I really believe that I, Paul, can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He said, if you are never right to me, if you never come to see me, if you never send anything, I will make it. I can do all things through Christ. That's right. He said, but I'm grateful. I am grateful. By the way, that's a powerful verse that should help you and me in our Christian work today. What is it that you're working on? What project, what dream, what vision? You can encourage yourself with that verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Say, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. I've started working on some project, and in the middle of it, discouragement comes in. Guess how I finish by citing this same scripture. That's why I can quote it from my head. I don't need no book because I work it. If you work the Bible, it will work for you. Believe in your heart that you can do all things 
through Christ that strengthens you. Paul said, I knew I'm going to make it, but I'm glad. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be ungrateful. Even though I know I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, I'm glad that you all thought well about me that you send me money. And he said, let me show you how this thing works. Because you send me this money, it's going to be charged to your heavenly account. Whoa. Sometimes we, we live, but we forget that every child of God have not only an earthly account, but a heavenly account. Then he said, not only is it going to be charged to your heavenly account, he said, check this out, Philippians 4.19. He said, my God shall supply every one of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Guess what? A few weeks ago, my church celebrated my 25th anniversary and a lot of them, they send me a check, they send me money. So I asked my wife, said, give me the names of every one of them. Guess what? I pray over them every day. That same scripture I just read to you now, that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Philippians 4, verse 19. I lay hand on every one of those names. Then I say to God, thank you for these precious people, brothers, sisters, young people, old people, elderly. And then I decree and declare the word of God that my God shall supply all of their needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. I pray that God will increase them and bless them more and more. I pray for a running over anointing, overflow in their life. That's what Paul is saying. Let me encourage you also to develop a spirit of giving. When you give, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, your cup running over. So Paul ended up that letter saying, look, greet this member for me. Greet, he began to remember the members of the church. Say, greet brother so-so-and-so. Greet sister so-so-and-so. Greet Deacon so-so-and-so. Greet these people. Greet that one. Even the ones I don't know that are new members in your church. Greet everybody for me. Then he said, the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And that's how he ended that letter. See all the riches, all the nuggets, even that last statement about the grace of God. Believe me when I tell you, 
the most important thing you need in your life today. The most important thing that I need in my life today. The most important thing that we all need in our life today is the grace of God. When you have the grace of God you, upon your life, you have everything. So today I pray that God will give you grace. Grace to live right. Grace to walk right. Grace to be a blessing to your generation. Grace of God upon your family. Grace of God upon your children. Grace of God upon the work of your head. Grace of God upon your ministry. That's my prayer for you. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you need special prayer, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number and let one of our pastors, one of our ministers pray with you. We believe in God with you that everything the devil meant for evil in your life, God will turn it around for your good. May God bless you until we meet again. Amen.